Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. I'm your host, Chris Fuller. And I'm Mark Hyde. And on today's episode, we're going to be asking the question, am I spiritually ready? A look mm. at Matthew 25, 1 through 13. This is actually the parable of the uh, 10 virgins, the five wise the five unwise virgins. Oh, we're gonna talk about sister wives tonight. We're gonna maybe, maybe a little sister wives, but the real thing is, is like a virgin. Oh, sorry, <laughs> bad. Can't go anymore. Wow, Can't go any just, further than that. How about this, buddy? You ready? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, that was very short. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? Like a virgin. I don't know what song. Everybody, you don't. That's Madonna. Is that? I mean, I, sure I, I feel like if I heard it played, I would know what it is. All right, I'll, I'll sing it, but it's. Oh, all right, geez. I need all of our listeners to close their ears right now because it's not appropriate for the podcast. I just killed the music. Why did you kill it so fast? Because I want you to sing, and then we'll make the music start oh. again. We'll have extra goes, long music goes, time. Like a virgin being touched for the very first time. No, exactly. I muted you, homie. No, exactly. that was weird. I told you. Back to happy music. I told to you it was explicit. Okay, it's explicit content. We promise so much, guys, that we love Jesus. We do. We just but, had an hour long conversation about loving Jesus. But when I talk about like the virgins, that's always the song that pops in my head. I don't know why it just does. That does not pop in my it's head. It's an eighties. It's an eighties song. Well, welcome back to the show, What's everybody. Going on, people. Bro, um, I don't, I don't know how to segue off of what you just. Yeah, did. it's a hard one to to segue from, but. We had a very interesting conversation last week, uh, the couple of days before Halloween. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. So hopefully this one's a little bit more, um, I don't know. They're always good, bra. No. Bra. I almost said, I almost said bra. It's, it's, all, it's always good, bra. It's because we're talking good. about virgins, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Janiel, he has wow. come unhinged. Something, something, bro, Sorry. what is up with I, you? I don't know. It's the coffee. Or the so this is a different type of hot garbage, I have a feeling, than what the review is <laughs> supposed to be. Well, we can't go that far oh, yet. Oh, my bad. We've got questions to answer, we do. sir. So over on got? Instagram, which I will admit, I have not been very active at running our Instagram as much because we've been pushing Facebook. Facebook group is Bro, just so much fun. I Facebook haven't really land. been very active at all. I've been struggling to keep up with no, emails and texts. Homeboy, you've been keeping up with audit. I haven't. Holy moly. I've been keeping up lot. with Facebook group I mean, really well. I'm here for it, but just forgive me when I don't get back to you but right away. But so on Instagram. Instagram, I said, hey, we're going to record here just a little bit. What should we talk about at the top of the episode? Ooh. So we have some different things to talk about. Some are funny, some are serious, and some are... All right, let's I'm, wrap I'm fire. curious. So the first one is the Bills-Rams game, the NFL. Oh, now, obviously, we're, the data recording is September 9th. So I, the game's already passed. I, I didn't watch it. I have no idea what that do you even, Okay, do you even watch NFL? Like, I, do you follow NFL at all? I don't. I watch... I'm a Bears fan. My hair's all poofy. But I'm not, like, a diehard, like, NFL fan. We both cheer for one team and for in football. Yeah. Go Irish. Uh hell, hell Notre Dame. Hell, hell Notre Dame, <laughs> baby. But so for the Bills versus Rams game, who's gonna win, boss? Rams. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't even know. I'm gonna go Rams. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Bills. Go Bills. Okay. Go Bills. There you go. Um okay, here's another one. So the minuscule loan forgiveness plan. What are your uh, thoughts about it, buddy? Uh, we, yeah. we hinted at it last week. Both of us do believe that it's not a forgiveness. It's a transferring because somebody's got to pay for it's it. It's a transference. It's a, 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 a what's it? I uh, uh, can't think of the word. It's a Christianese word. It's a theological term that Christ did for us. 
Uh, propitiation? Yes, thank you. Propitiation. Okay, I'm like, it's a propitiation of the loan, right? There you go. Because that's what that's it is, bro. That's loan. Propitiation <laughs> loan. Now, I will say this, okay? Now, do I believe in some sort of like loan forgiveness program? Do you know there already are loan forgiveness programs out there? Like we had friends of ours where like they were lawyers and they were public servant lawyers. And if they serve as a public servant lawyer for like 10 years, their debt was instantly wiped away. Yeah, because you're paying it off because you're paying a public. It's just like if you at Pensacola Christian College, if you okay. sign an agreement to after you graduate to work, there, I think it's like two years, like full time, two years. Um, they pay for your, all the college. That's really cool. But you have to sign the agreement. And so, so, and this is the thing. So, so even before we get into the loan program, I I do honest to goodness think the cost of college is getting ridiculous for state well, schools. Well, the cost like of Purdue everything. is like forty five thousand. The cost of everything is getting ridiculous. It's true. It's very true. But there are still ways to be wise with our money. Sure. And I do think a lot of times we push kids to college and not be wise and not go for scholarship. Like, like one of my former students, she went to Trine, Trine University, sure. which is a private, not Christian, but just a private school. Mm -hmm. Costs a lot of money to go every single year. I've never seen somebody grind as hard as she did to work to get her scholarships mm. and jobs. And she's going to graduate with very little debt from that place. And I, I'm cool. like, good for you. And I have another, another one of my former students is a Notre Dame student who has grinded at her scholarships for Notre Dame, probably going to graduate with a little bit to little, little to no debt from the university. So of Notre here, Dame. here's my take on it, right? Okay. All right. Where's my mortgage forgiveness? Do I get a mortgage forgiveness? Like, do you going to forgive some of my mortgage? Nope. Are going to forgive some people's car payments? Nope. How about credit cards? That'd be nice. That'd be real nice. I took out those loans. And I think the idea, though, is the fact of, and again, now, so that's we're, we're, we're talking to people from two different walks of life with education, right? Like, I have, I graduated with an undergrad and a master's degree with virtually no debt. I pretty much had no debt when I, actually, and, let me rephrase that. When I, when I graduated from each place, I had paid off my undergrad debt, which sure. is just a little bit, and I graduated debt-free with my master's, and you're a blue-collar guy. Now, you did go to college for a bit. I went to college for five years and walked out of there with, with nothing. No, uh, yeah, no, Big old goose egg. no degree, but $35,000 worth of debt. And you grinded to pay it off. <laughs> I grinded to pay it off. And I was paying the whole time I was going to school. Like the first two years of college, I paid cash for. And so $35,000 was for the remaining three years. So do you think that there should be some loan forgiveness program in general? No. And then the other question that a lot of you are the one that is choosing to do that. There are other plenty good blue collar jobs as I'm proof of or scholarships you, or join the or army scholarships. Or There's tons of different ways you can do it to, to minimize debt or ha come out with no debt if you choose to go to school. But I do not think that everybody has to go to school. I think that's a misnomer that the society has pushed on people. And I think we're just also not wise with our money too. Like we, we have like our generation millennials, which before you blame a millennial for bad money usage, someone had to teach us how to be bad with our money. Uh, but I, I do think that we throw money around like nobody's business. However, I'm also not going to fall into the other trap of always complain and we can't pay anything off and stuff is too expensive because, you know, you're working in like, a, I don't want to like hate on minimum wage jobs because we both worked them for years. Oh, you know? yeah. But at the same time, there, we're in the lane of opportunity and you can go do something. Why do you have to start off with the degree, the $400,000 house? Like, there's no shame in buying a mobile home. There's no shame in buying a double wide. There's no shame in living at home for a little bit, you know, for a couple no, of years just, to get some. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we, we want you, the end result without the grind. Do what you, you feel that, that God is leading you to do, whether that's go to college, not go to college, work at 
um, you know, McDonald's and, and make a career out of that or or go work at a law firm in New York and make a career. It don't really matter as long as you're doing what the Lord is telling you that you should be doing. Now, there is a quote that I thought was super, super dope. All right. So in the Facebook group, I asked a question yep, yep. of I'm a sucker for quotes. What's your favorite quote? And um, my boy Matt said anything you've said, Mark. Bromance is strong, baby. Bromance hey, is strong. He's just looking for free swag. Uh, yeah, but but let's be honest, though. I control the swag. You know, the best part of waking up is not having Folgers in your cup. Um, but one of the quotes, uh, where's that one quote that I thought was absolutely fantastic? Um, oh, here it is. Thomas Edison quote. Um, Drake put this in. Um, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. I really like that quote a lot. I wear so, an orange shirt. So loan forgiveness program, should we just forgive everybody ten thousand dollars? No, I do think there's something to be said about putting in like a lot of volunteer hours and like, you know, giving back to the community and maybe that's a way kind of like to help pay off your loans where it's like, hey, if you've been a faithful steward of just being a good person, we'll help you out. Now there are a lot of places though, like Australia where college is just public college is just free. And they work that into their system and their laws and whatnot. Sure. But but we'll for go. America, I am so I am go, one where I don't there. I don't think we should have just wiped away ten thousand dollars worth of debt because here's, here's you made thing. the choice to go exactly. to a but expensive it, college. It, you learn well, to make the choice and stick with even it. Even cheap college, right? It doesn't matter. It, let your word be your word is what the scriptures say, right? If you yep. say you're going to do something, you follow as a Christian, you follow through and do it. If you take out a loan, you're saying I'm going to pay this loan back. Now the Bible does talk about loans and that maybe we shouldn't take out loans because and... they become a slave to the to the owner of that loan. Right, but that's for a different day. Different day. So all right, what's all right, the next another question? one is candy. Like favorite candy? I don't know. What did? Oh, here's a go. Do you like candy or chocolate better? One, two, three. Candy. candy. Yeah, we agreed on something, guys. It's about time. All right, yeah. show's over. All right, so what candy is your favorite though? If I have to go, no, just, just say, they say, hey, hey, bruh, bruh, can I pick up some candy from the gas Skittles. station? Taste the rainbow. Hundred No, the red bag or the purple bag. <laughs> purple. Ooh. Tropical, dude. Ooh. The tropical bag. Ooh. Come on up high. I mean, I'll give it to you, but my favorite is my favorite is the OG? classic OG, OG OG Skittles. What's your second favorite candy from the gas station? Oh, probably hot tamales. Sour gummy worms. Oh, you you yeah. line up with Janelle. She likes the uh, the sour patch kids though. Ooh, she's a sour patch kid. So little what you're saying is, sour. is that when you first meet Janiel, she's she sour and just sour taste, sweet. and then she's really sweet. No, that's probably me. I give you the sour <laughs> taste, and she's the sweet. She's just super sweet. Let's just be honest. All right, next one. Um, Beth's pregnant. What? Ah, she put it. She put it. Did she? Really? I'm allowed to say it. Look. Yeah. Um, side funny. note: We are pregnant. Time of recording. We're like, yay. oh shoot. Uh, I mean, 13 weeks. 14 weeks. I mean, I've known about it, but yay! It's it's and officially announced. We know what the gender of this baby is too. I do too. It's a. I it's a boy. It's a b- b- We're b- 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 boy, which means Elliot is finally well, not the only boy. Yeah, I was going to say. He finally has a brother. You know, he already has plans to put the, ba- put the baby brother in his room. At Dinosaurs he and cars out, and oh, no, he picked, he picked out the the lovey, the the nice. stuff with Beth. Like, homeboy has been, he has been he's inseparable from Beth. He's like, we, we having a boy. We going to do this, Beth. Let's we going to do this. Let's go. So he has a brother. Finally. Sweet. So he's excited about this. All right. Last one is what's a conspiracy theory that you actually believe? Okay. So and you said you have one. I have one. Just, so you need time to think still? I don't know if I got one, right, man. I, so the, the one I have, I actually did not have until I started smoking weed. But anyways. Whoa, uh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It was one of those back old Chris days. 
Um, Getting high with the most high. But I have never looked into it past those days, so I still kind of believe it. Right? And the conspiracy theory that I believe is Bigfoot is real. No, shut up. No. Come on. There's just so much evidence out there, man. And I don't know. Maybe I was just high when I was looking at the evidence. That could be true. You can only believe Bigfoot is real if you're doped up. Like You got to be on shrooms to believe that, man. I used to do the Yeti calls, but I swear that I used to see like the swamp, the swamp Yeti. The swamp ape out in my backyard this in Florida. This is a joke. I, I, again, this I was a big, high. fat I was joke. very high, so it could be uh, it could be that. Um, so, yeah. That's a big, fat joke. I that's That was that was mine. What's yours? Um, that Elvis and Tupac actually died. They're down in Cuba. Oh, didn't die? Didn't die. I think they're still alive. Cuba? Down in Cuba. Oh, Graceland. I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that's a joke. That's a complete joke. Yeah, I figured. They, 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 they're dead. Yeah, they're they're dead. dead. But no, but when it sounds like conspiracy theories, like I, have you seen the documentary on Netflix? I have not about like the family, like that Christian family that basically runs the world and they're always everywhere and like the politician pictures and stuff like that. The Rothschilds? No, the, the family. No, I have no idea. The Netflix family. Netflix. We are the family. Uh, the, the family is an American documentary streaming television miniseries. The series examines a conservative Christian group known as the Family or the Fellowship of History and investigates its influence on American politics. Huh. Like that's one that a lot of people believe. I don't. Okay. I, I'll be honest. People might not like me, but I don't really got got time for the QAnon stuff. Yeah, I really don't. I don't either. I really don't. But, I, okay, okay, how about this? The only conspiracy theory that I actually believe in. <laughs> Is anything you see in National Treasure? What, like the book of the book of secrets and everything? Yep, the presidential book of secrets. Yep, and how on the back of the the, the Illuminati? Yeah. Oh, Janelle's yep. your best friend now. Yep. No, I actually don't. I that's she the is thing, so dude. into dude, the Illuminati. I got seven freaking so... kids. About uh, eight. I got eight freaking kids. You think I got time for conspiracy You've theories? You've only had eight kids for two years. So I'm don't even start. butts, bro. Like I ain't got time for conspiracy. You theories. did back in the day. Come on, now that's only been for two years. But even then, I was so focused on just what has to be done right here, right now in my neighborhood. Like, okay, so conspiracy theory. Did you do you think Mister Rogers was an American or a sniper? Yeah, I do. See, that's conspiracy. Is it really? It is. That's yeah, not a fact. Because some people deny that that was true. Shut up. Really? They, they say that it's not true. Look it up. That's conspiracy. Do people think that he wasn't? Yeah, that he was not. Look it up. Uh, wasn't he like a marine? I thought. I or thought so. Navy. But I, I. Yeah. There was an article I read not too long ago that that talked about that. That's just a conspiracy. That he was not a, a sniper. Mister Rogers. Yeah, he was. Welcome to my neighborhood. Mr. Rogers wasn't a sniper or Navy SEAL. Here's how that myth started. See? See? It's a myth. See? You Load believe crap. you believe in a conspiracy. No, 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 no. They're saying the myth is the fact that he was not. Oh, okay. I thought it was that he was. No, so so people are saying so he actually was a sniper, but people believe the myth that he was not, right? I don't think so, man. I don't know. I, don't I think always so, bro. I always thought he was a sniper in the the Marines, right? Oh, he's a SEAL. This says he's a SEAL. Was Oh, no, 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 no. The Navy SEAL. Okay, so apparently, yeah. Navy SEALs, the Navy, the official Navy SEALs website. Here we go. Mr. Rogers was not a Navy SEAL or a Scout Marine sniper. There's a great urban legend, 21st century, but is no yeah. more than a legend. Yeah. Holy crap. Fun fact with Fuller. <laughs> Holy crap. You've been believing in conspiracy, man. What? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so Mr. Rogers is really just a friendly Mr. Rogers. He's just like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. 
Not, hey, welcome to the neighborhood, take my hand. Get to the chopper. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. Uh, wow. Yeah. My, see? Wow. Sometimes I can just pull random facts right out of the air. I don't even have to prep for That was out your butt. Again. Wow. Wow. I do a lot of reading in my spare time. Yeah, apparently, man. <laughs> all right. I'm looking to see if there's any other ones. Nope, that's that's all we got. That's all we got time for. That's, people ask us things about it. the top of the show for Instagram. Should we read the review or do some party cues? What do you think, boss? Well, well we ain't got no coffee. I'm drinking water because last Friday I, we recorded, I was up till three. I, I, drank way my, too much I drank my turmeric and ginger tea. I have water, finally. Now, last episode, I forgot the water. Now I, I have. Dying. I have yellow water. So how about we read the review and just Let's get into that. this conversation, my dude? Because, because I feel this is going to be a big one. Well, the, so yeah, it is. So this this review, though, was great because we kind of teed it up with the just the title last week. And hot what's garbage. Hot, hot garbage. Hot spicy garbage. Uh, uh, I think of okay. the Dr. Pepper guy. Hot garbage. Instead of hot pockets. Hot pocket, dude. Yeah. Hot pockets aren't hot pockets. It's like literally from lava the pockets. Of hell lava the, pockets on the edge, but in the middle, it's cold. It's like lasagna, <laughs> dude. I miss me, dude. dude I miss lasagna. me some some ham and cheese, Ooh, yeah. some uh, some Philly oh, cheesesteak. That yeah. was a good one. And the little cardboard sleeve. You put that mug in right. the microwave at school, and the whole everyone was like. Bro, you got hot pocket? Like, yeah, bro, I, and I got popcorn. You like, heard, you heard everybody. You heard everybody going hot pocket, dude. That was a vibe. But speaking of hot garbage, <laughs> yeah, you want to read this one? Nah, boss, that's you. All, all right, right, should I read it? Because you're talking the whole. Rest Go of the for episode. it, man. Go for it. Um, all my settings just popped up. Uh, hot garbage from Jessup ninety three. So apparently you were born in nineteen ninety three. So why don't you put on another makeup? <laughs> if you were born in ninety three, you're almost thirty. Holy crap. That means you're still younger than Mark. <laughs> Shut up. I'm younger than Beth, though. Boomer. Uh, <laughs> okay, Zoomer. Wow. This podcast is like hot garbage to a raccoon. Where do you live? What's Virginia? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I honestly love this hot podcast. Garbage to I listen to about three episodes per day at work. Keep up the good work, y'all. This Man, one had me rolling. Jessica, the is this girl, bro? I don't even know. Where the heck do you live? You West Virginia. When, when I first read this, I, I was in tears with laughter. Mama. This podcast is like hot garbage to a raccoon. Country road. Country take road. Take me home. To the place I, I belong, West Virginia. Yeah, this is why Mount we. Mama. This is why we lost our sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't because they outsourced their marketing department. They suck at emails. Oops. Oh, easy there, killer. My bad. My bad. Easy right, killer. So, but either way, you let us review dress up ninety three. So text us emails with your names. We know who the heck with you are. Your name. So we can hook you up with the mini swag bag, so you can get a picture of our faces in the mail. Because it's actually a pretty dope little package. Let's just yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. But if you want a mini swag bag, leave us a review on Apple Podcast. You might be thinking, Mark Fuller, I don't have an iPhone. I've got Apple. I've got nothing. It ain't going to cost you nothing to. Let's leave a rating to, on Spotify. Share the something. podcast with a friend. Let us know that you did all you can, you stinking Android users, you green text people, and we'll still send you one. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds good. All well, right, boss, let's, let's jump in. Let's dive in. I'm going deep. Oh, sorry. And we are head, really like be... hyped up tonight, yes, aren't we? Yes, sir. Let's go. So, this this particular episode actually was inspired by R.C. Sproul I was listening to really? the other day. And okay. he was covering the parable of the ten virgins. And 
Uh, I was like, you know what? This is a parable that we should cover on the podcast. I like it. So the 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 ten virgins. Uh, well, let's let's dive in. Let's read the passage. Right. Oh, we're gonna read the whole thing. We're gonna read Matthew twenty five verses one through thirteen. Uh, that way we Bible know open. what we're talking about here. So got my lagas open. Lagas. Oh, he's got the Greek open. Oh no. No, that's my that's my CSB study Bible notes. There you go. All right. So it says, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be be like ten virgins. So prior to this, uh we're looking at uh Matthew twenty four, we're looking at um what people a lot of people see as things to come, right? The end. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is what Matthew 24 is co- uh, covering. And so Matthew 25 is kind of leading into something similar, right? Another yep. parable that's Ooh, talking about. I know, yeah. starting in verse 14, the parable of talents, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. We've talked about that one too. We have. So it says, at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't, didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took oil in their flasks with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. By the way, this is the CSB. Uh, In the middle of the night, there was a shout. Here's the groom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. When they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. He replied, Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, be alert, because you don't know either the day or the hour. Hmm. So, we're going to talk about what what is this parable? This little yeah, what's talking about? Little, why does it matter? I think this that's little, a good little nugget here, right? Yeah. But before we can get into it, we need to have a little historical context. Oh, I like those. Of, I need story. You know, I need story time music. On when when Christ is making a point in a parable, when any parable is given, we have to think about what was the time period, what was the culture, yeah, historical and context. who was he talking to, right? So we're going to take a quick brief pause, pause. on the parable pause. to look at ancient Eastern wedding culture. And this Ooh. comes from Biblical Hermeneutics st- Stack Exchange. Sponsored by The Chosen. No, right. <laughs> no, it's not. The Chosen has a really cool depiction, though. They they sure do. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, some Biblical Hermeneutics for you all. So uh, betrothal, there was, there was uh, four different parts of an ancient Eastern wedding culture. Mm-hmm. So first was the betrothal. The uh, marriage covenant is established. A price for the bride is negotiated and paid by the groom to the bride's family. There were also some symbolic rituals involved, uh, but those aren't so relevant to the question at hand. So uh, some of those rituals were like the cup, uh, was shared between the the groom would drink out of a cup and he would hand it to the bride and if the bride accepted the betrothal process she would drink from the cup right and yep. which is where we see a lot of the symbolic of this is my cup or this is my body which was broken for you this is the my blood which is spilled out for you in the cup because this is where and, a lot of that symbolism and comes the other from. thing too was covenants were a big huge, deal in jewish customs huge you things. do not break a covenant well not only that but they're huge with god right right god is the one that established covenants right yep so uh number two is preparation period 
The betrothal period is similar to being engaged. Mm. Uh, they were not yet to in- unite sexually, Mm-mm. and their bride wore a veil to signify her consecration to her husband-to-be. The husband returned home after being betrothed or engaged to prepare a home for the woman, and the woman made her uh, preparations for marriage life as well. Often this would be about a year's worth of preparation. So the engagement for them was a year-long, pretty pretty standard procedure back then, right? A year-long engagement because they were preparing. She was preparing. Um, but the difference, though, I think between this and American culture is they were preparing for marriage. They weren't preparing for a day. Right. So the pre- what the preparations were, and I'm going to get into this real yeah. fast. So the, part of the preparations were the groom would typically go back to his father's house, which is where they would live, and he would build a wing onto the... he went back to his father's house to prepare a place for her? You can't. Oh. Oh, he's seeing some more symbolism here. So he'd go back and prepare a place for his new bride, and uh, it would typically be at his father's house. They'd build a separate wing or built up if there was no room to build out. Mm-hmm. The woman, on the other hand, uh, an interesting article I'd read um, in some of the, it, I forget, it was a Jewish cultural um, um, blog. This uh, this rabbi wrote it about the Jewish culture back then. Okay, cool. Um, and he said that she would actually start like sewing garments and like preparing the gar- her not only just her wedding garments but like garments for the husband and like just doing a lot of preparation of for the for the household. Right, because we have to remember back in those times they didn't have all the modern tech that you we gonna, do. You you're going to go to the store and just buy a line of clothing. Like when we look at the OG like homemakers, them girls were crazy. They worked. Hard, right? It wasn't like they were just scrolling Instagram, right? And like they were not not to hate on stay at home moms to do that because I'm, I'm married to a stay at home mom and you're married to a stay at home. Heck mom. yeah, we and are. They're, they're the best. They're amazing. Thank they're you for making best. me meatloaf the um, best. and walking tacos. Got it. Um, but that's oh, the new I want, thing. I want more, man. They were so good. Um, but you know, it's a different time and different culture where right. it's not like you just throw your laundry in a washing machine. You don't throw your like your clothes no. in a dishwasher. Right. right. You even got modern tech, like. It, 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 you had to grind to make your clothes, make the food, make things like it wasn't just make your home lovely. It was right. Make your home just work. Sure. You know, right. It's different, different culture. So yep. that's interesting. So yeah. she would prepare, she would prepare for the beginning of the marriage journey with her husband. Right. Well. Correct. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, garments to impress him with and things like that. So with Mary and Joseph, I know this is not part of the conversation. Sure. You know, mother, you know mother Mary, father, Joseph, they were betrothed, so they already went through the beginning, right? You know, the price of the bride, right. which is not like selling her off. It's the it's the dowry. And, th- and think about this, right? They the, and they already made the covenant with one another. Well, and right? part of that was she would wear a veil over her face whenever she was out in public and everything like that to huh. cover her face as a sign of consecration to Joseph. At the which time. means when Mary was found to be pregnant and then started showing, Ooh, that's not good that's in the a, custom that, of the Jewish people. That's a big deal. Yeah, huh, because okay. the the bridal price was already paid typically. So, uh, yeah. So uh, number three, the arrival of the groom. Okay. So once the groom finished his preparations, he would come to collect his bride. This was usually done at night, and the which you know isn't that funny? Like a thief in the night. Uh, and the groom would be accompanied by a wedding party, male escorts, and a best man, and they would carry torches to light the procession. The bride knew he would be coming, but would not know when exactly, hence needing to be prepared. So the groom would arrive with a shout to get the attention that they had arrived. See all this 
cool symbolism that we see from this that we see in like Revelation. Yeah. So it. here's my question: the the bride knew he was coming, but didn't know exactly. I mean, the, didn't there, know there the, had to be like there had to be some level of you knew he was coming, like so, within the couple days or weeks. So you know? again, we you can't be standing out there with a. Well, no. We, we go back to the preparation times. Usually took about a year. So you got to figure. All right. Well, maybe if this guy worked day and night and got it done in six months, he might come early. But. The cool thing is, right, is it wasn't the son who decided when the preparation of the new household was done. It was the father, done. It right? was the father that decided when the groom could go and get the bride. Oh, I'm see, seeing a lot of correlation here. See, man, you the, see a lot of the correlation here, right? If people don't know, uh, it's the fact of we're the bridegroom of Christ. Right. And Jesus said, I don't know the hour when I come, but right. only the father knows. Right. Or like, you know. The, you're going to have a shout of a trumpet when the return of Christ, and that's what we see here. Yeah, this is why I don't attention. believe in pre-trib. Everybody going to know when Jesus shows up, man. So, so there's a lot of correlation here, right? There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot going on here. Um, the father's the one that chooses. The groom goes to get his wife or his bride. The bride is constantly preparing herself every day. So they, they would go through like ritual cleansings and stuff like this to prepare herself. She would get in her wedding dress every single day. Was it for the entire year? Well, it's for a time period, right? Because you know that they're going to be a few months working. But she, during those few months, she's working on her dress, right? Every day she's preparing her dress. She's getting dressed. She's getting bathed. She's keeping herself clean. There's all these things going that on to keep exhausting. herself prepared for when the groom comes because she doesn't know when the groom is going to be coming. And the groom doesn't know when he's coming because only the father can give the approval that the the dwelling is, is, it, it is, is ready. Is ready, right. So, number four, wedding party. The bride, along with her female attendants, would accompany the groom back to his family home for a wedding celebration. After the procession, uh, procession walked back to the groom's family home, the bride and groom entered a wedding tent called a hoopa to, physi- <laughs> to physically consecrate their marriage while everyone involved waited and cheered. How'd you like that? <laughs> Literally, y'all went in and knocked boots and everyone went like, yeah, yeah. get it, boss. Like, that's so, you can do which, it. Okay, fun fact. I had friends who his their dad was Middle East, like actually grew up in the Middle East. He did this. Like, they still do this. Yeah, right. So then the so bri- legit, like people cheer. Like, right. That's awkward. So there's two different thoughts here, right? Then the bride would either bring out the evidence of her virginity <laughs> or, Are we the talk we- about this? or the wedding party would go in and inspect and bring it out to show that she if was you're married. You know exactly what we're talking or, about. Or the father of the bride would go in to show that his daughter was a virgin, indeed. Uh, and you make fun of me for me not keeping the show PG, boss. I, I, I'm just saying virginity here, okay? So no, you wait. So, so, and their marriage was I'm too hyper. So after that, their marriage was essentially uh, finalized. This was followed by a week of feasting and celebration by the entire bridal so party. So literally, the the feast couldn't happen until they. Yeah, they had everybody had to wait. Consecrated the mayors improved, and they were like, "Yeah, so let's get it now." So typically, this was a smaller event, right? This was a this was the smaller portion, yeah, and a, then the everybody else was waiting at the feast, right? The bridal party and the family would be waiting at the consecration tent. I got too many jokes, man. I gotta be quiet. So, okay. conclusion. So, conclusion, okay. In this parable, if one follows uh, ancient Jewish wedding culture t- traditions, the ten young women would be the bridal party, not additional brides. Uh, and we're going to talk about this later, but they were all supposed to go to the feast to celebrate once the groom arrived. In the parable, the groom arrived late, and half the wedding party was not prepared and had to go buy more oil for their lamps and thus arrived late at the wedding celebration, and they were turned away at the door when they arrived late. 
Uh, it was worth noting that contextually, this parable appears to be building upon and amplifying what was taught in the previous parable, which was about the preparedness of the Lord's coming with the analogy of marriage given. Okay. So that was from, well, some, a lot of it was of the, was the biblical hermeneutics stack exchange. Some of it was my thoughts and some of it was your thoughts. And your, my laughs. Yours were a lot more dirty than mine. <laughs> Facts are facts, my dude. So who are the ten, ten virgins, right? Okay. This is the the bridal party, right? The five wise, the five other wise. Um, we'll just go ahead and uh, skip down to would this, was this Jesus clearly teaching polygamy, right? Was he teaching polygamy Wait, in this? Do people actually think about this with this passage? People do because there were the ten virgins and, you know, they were. Oh, the, and the guy was coming for the ten right, virgins. Right. And is he going after like, all ten like virgins? It, yeah, is he coming for the bride, which are the ten virgins? There were five. Uh, unfl- because we're the, we're okay. the bride of Christ, right? And there were right. five not prepared, and they didn't get to go be in the wedding feast, and then there were five prepared. So they think that they were all going to be brides. So uh, okay. according to, to Mr. John Piper, Desire and God, uh, this, this is what he has to say about it. He said, first, Jesus is clear on what he thinks of a marriage is. It's rooted in God's design with Adam and Eve in Genesis 2. He says in Matthew 19, 4, have you not read? He's referring back to uh, back there to Genesis passage, Genesis 2, 24, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two, not ten, shall become one flesh. Matthew 19, 4 through 5. This parable is not about polygamy or mono... I can't even say it's a Monogamy? Monogamy, thank you. (laughs) It is not even about marriage. It's much more likely that we should see these 10 virgins as we would call bridesmaids. Uh, We don't know the details of how they did weddings among the Jews in those days, which we do have some idea just from ancient writings. Well, that like, well, I think we do. Yeah. Right. But it's easy to imagine that the bride is at the house waiting at the feast in private, not seen yet. And the bridesmaids, their job is to run out to the bridegroom and bring him to the great feast to where the bride is waiting. Now it's John Piper's, but there's so much evidence out there from so many ancient right. Jewish writings. So I don't know why somehow. Piper would have said that, Yeah, but you know, with, with the 10 virgins, it's the simple fact of the matter is, you know, if they were not allowed into the feast and the and the groom came to bring them into the feast and like they're they're not welcome into the feast they're not welcome into the consecration tent they're welcome into this the feast of celebration you right know? so what is the parable actually about right, right. is it about marriage because I got questions is it about is it about yeah well we're gonna get into all this chit chatty stuff here in a sec I got questions I'm just laying the groundwork so it is the parable what is the parable about it's about preparedness right okay. it's about mm-hmm. being prepared. Uh, so in, in uh, Reformed Bible Studies here, uh, Ligonier.org, it says, uh, in Jesus' parable, the bridegroom for whom the ten virgins are waiting is the Savior himself, which we can all deduce. Jesus here is implicitly claiming to be God incarnate. The Old Testament of, often pictures the creator as the groom as his people uh, and his people as his bride. This is Isaiah 54, Hosea 2. Uh, the bridegroom's arrival is clearly taking longer than expected for all 10 ladies fell asleep. That's Matthew 25, two through five. This reveals that although we cannot know the exact time of his return, the fact that Jesus has tarried 2000 years and counting is not unexpected. The foolish virgins are unprepared for the bridegroom eight verses eight through 13. They did not count the cost of being in the processional and did not ready themselves for its delay. Like many others, the foolish girls 
have not understood the price of discipleship, sacrifice, and forethought uh, are required to stand in the day of trial and to be assured that one's faith is real. Ephesians 6, 2 Timothy 3, 1 John 5. Only the spiritually prepared, the wise virgins, will enter the kingdom. So what's the difference between the five wise and the five foolish virgins? Mm Mm-hmm. This comes from gotquestions.org. See, this is, I'm trying to give everybody else's opinion so we can have the conversation. And I will say that's part of the Greek, too. If we we keep using the term virgin, virgin also means, you know, young maiden or young woman or. Yeah. And that. The the bridesmaid. That that comes from, a lot of that comes from um, the Septuagint in the Hebrew. Yep. Um, and that's where they say, okay, right? Because you be have like even in today's you have the maid of honor, but if they're married, it's technically the matron of honor. You know, like right, yeah. So, um, culture, culture, so culture. the differences between the two, right? Yeah, let's do it. The five virgins who had the extra oil represent the truly. This is from GotQuestion.org. Okay. Represent the truly born again who are looking with eagerness to the coming of Christ. They have saving faith and that and have determined that whatever occurs, be it lengthy time or adverse circumstances, when Jesus returns. They will be looking with eagerness. The five virgins with the, without the oil. By the way, this is all speculative. Uh, the five virgins without the oil represent false believers who enjoy the benefits of the Christian community without true love for Christ. They are more concerned about the party than about longing to see the bridegroom. You know, the party of the wedding mm-hmm, feast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, their hope is that their association with the true believers. Give us some of your oil. Verse eight will bring them into the kingdom at the end this of course is never the case one person's faith in jesus cannot save the other the lord lord and i do not know you of verses 11 and 12 fit very well with jesus's condemnation of the false believers of matthew 7 21 through 23 not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So I got questions. All right. Because, like, you know, when you first hear the passage and, and, and we're reading through it, it makes it sound like all these people are included in the wedding party. Sure. And then when you look at it for just face value, look at it just, sure. just face value, right? They're all part of the wedding party. They're all supposed to be part of this. The, 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 the bride chose all of them. Like, yo, girls, like, let's go get it. Right. And then all of a sudden... Five were forgotten, but they were a part of the OG, and then the other five were welcomed in. Now, in some regards, I think it's fair to say that they were welcomed in by the groom also because of their relation to the bri- to the bride, sure. not necessarily the other ones. But if we're supposed to be the bride of Christ, how are, how does that supposed to reflect this passage? Because we're not the we're not one of the ten virgins. We're the the church is the bride of Christ. Sure. But then my other thought is is if this is portraying us in, in, in the readiness for the groom to come back and receive his bride, which I guess would be the church. Um, we just happen to make up the church. Sure. Are the five bridesmaids virgins? Were they part of the kingdom? Were they part of it? And then lost it because they did not, you know, they did not persevere to the end, which we talked about with eternal security when it came to the, the, the denominations episode. If sure, you know, there's some people like, you know, all true believers were persevered to the end. All traditions believe that, Mm -hmm. but some traditions say, well, if you don't make it to the end and then you die or Jesus comes back well, then sorry, boss, you didn't make it to the end. Right. Whereas other people say like, nah, like the prodigal son, you fell away. You did your own thing. You were an idiot. 
but you were still part of God's family. So I think that's the big questions that I have is the fact of, aren't we supposed to be the bride of Christ, not the virgins? Well, so and then how does that work with let's, eternal security? All right, let's start there with the, aren't we supposed to be the bride of Christ? So okay. the thing about parables, right? What's the, what's the one hermeneutical textual criticism rule about reading parables? Do you know it? Uh, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Yes, but there's always typically one meaning, right? And right, if there's we, one, and if there's we try one to, central truth if to we try the to, text. If we try to symbolize every single part, we that, can get lost in the weeds. We can get lost in the weeds. So what's the purpose of this parable? Let's start there. Preparing for the groom to come. Okay, so not all parables and examples in each parable always translate in with each other, right? Right. We, and we and when, you, when you look, and again, I mean, I, I know I'm partially answering my own question, but then when you jump to the next part, um, the 10 talents. Yes. Yeah, it's just like a man about to go onto a journey called his own servants. And the whole point of that passage is more the fact of, did you do well with what God gave you? And when he showed back up, were you able to give account for that? Sure. You know, they're sure. both, they're both points to the simple fact of when Jesus shows up, are you ready for the master to come? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if we look at, I just want to read a couple Excuse headlines me. from Ooh, the taco just pop back up a couple headlines from Matthew 24 here. Right. Okay. So we're this is what we're this is being talked about before chapter twenty five. The destruction of the temple predicted, signs of the end of the age, uh persecutions predicted, the great tribulation, the coming of the Son of Man, the parable of the fig tree, no one knows the hour of the day, faithful service to Christ. And that's kind of what I want to hit on. Verse forty five. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time. Blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing their job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, "Master, the, my master is delayed and starts to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, that servant's master will come on the day he knows, or he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So if we look at the 45 through 51 of Matthew 24, mm-hmm. what do you think that is saying? Ask that question again because I was reading. Sorry. So uh, we're talking about faithful service to Christ, right? The master and the servant. Master goes away. Servant, he does, master doesn't come back when the servant thinks he's going to. He starts... Uh, he starts to beat his fellow servants, each drinks and uh, and eats and drinks with the drunkards. The servant service master comes back on a day he didn't expect him to and finds him doing this stuff. He cuts him to pieces and assigns him a place with the hypocrites where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is the what is the point of that parable? Preparedness. Yeah, it's it's the fact of you didn't you you didn't care. Follow and be an obedient servant. Right, I think some of it. I mean, so I think, I think a, a, the like a, a, a physical truth could also go into integrity too, because you know what's integrity is doing what's right even when no one's looking, and this guy sure. wasn't doing right when no one was looking. When when God showed up, he's like, ah, oh, crap. Christ went away to prepare a place for us. Right, that's what he says. Right, tying back into the whole marriage thing. Mm-hmm. Christ has gone away to to prepare a place for us, but has given us a command to be faithful servants at this time. Right. So we're supposed to be faithful servants, uh, carrying out the good news and and uh, making disciples, right? That that was our mandate. That was the last mandate that was given to the disciples. We are disciples of Christ as well and disciples of the apostles because that's who taught us. 
And so that's, we just carry on this mandate, right? So there's an obedience factor. And, and are we going to be caught with our, are we going to be caught sleeping when the bride, the bridegroom comes when the bridegroom and not, and not not be having what be white. Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? There you go. I had to think about that. Um, are, so are, are you are you ready, right? Mm-hmm. Are you ready for when Christ returns? Are you doing the things that you're supposed to be doing as a follower? And that's where the next one goes into the fact of, you know, a, a sign of encouragement is we've all been given different things. So what are you sure. doing with what God gave you till you arrive? This is, you the, know? This is why he follows it up, uh, follows the, the 10 virgins, I think, with the 10 talents. Mm-hmm. That's why he follows that one up, right? Because so he's telling us there's a roadmap here. If you take the point of each parable, you can see the roadmap. Be obedient to Christ. Be prepared because you don't know when he's coming. And then take what God has given you, the responsibility, and and do it well, right? Hmm. Multiply. Mm-hmm. So there's a roadmap here going on. So the thing is, is like a lot of people go, well, not being, uh, how, how do we not be caught off guard? You know, how do we not have no oil in our lamp or not, you know, not to forget to bring? And I think there's a couple things that we can do. Uh, one is pursue Christ likeness. Uh, Right ready yourself for suffering and work faithfully for Christ. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go into those a little bit, man. And, and these things, <clears throat> some of these things come from desiring God, John Piper again. And then I added some of my own stuff in here as well. So John Piper says first, the impulse that comes from the glorious prospect of seeing the Lord. Uh, John three, two through three says, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears at the second coming, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has thus hope is in him purifies himself as he is pure. If you want to really be like Jesus by seeing him when he comes, you'll pursue being like him now. Mm -hmm. So think about the uh, psychological dynamics of those verses. When he says everyone who thus hopes in him, he's referring to hoping to be like him. When he appears, we shall be like him, or whoever thus hopes in him, uh, hope, hoping to be like him, will purify himself now. So the point is, uh, if you really want to be like him by seeing him when he comes, you'll pursue being like him now, and you will. Uh, so the impulse of becoming a radically pure, holy, living, sacrificial Christ-like person now is the intense hope and desire for that to happen when he comes and when we see him. That's our first impulse, right? Mm-hmm. That's what John Piper says. I want to follow that up with a couple of scriptures. So Matthew 16, 24 through 28 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. And what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet he loses his own life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly I tell you, there, will, there are some standing here who will not taste death until this, they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Which we can debate over that last verse people have for a long time. Mm-hmm. But what are we seeing here? Christ's call for us to pick up our cross and follow him to deny ourselves and to follow him to not worry about the world and our life in the world, but to deny that right to become more Christ-like 
Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So again, being transformed in our mind to, to be more like Christ, to see, his, to see God's will. Um, this is what we should be striving for, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. This is giving up our life, the same thing that Christ was saying in Matthew 16. And Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Again, becoming Christ-like, putting our minds on things above and the things that Christ would have us do. You know, it kind of sounds like the that whole illustration of, um, you know, like with sports and with with other things. A lot of times, people slack off and they're like, "Oh, when game time when game time comes, I'll be ready." Yeah. And so many times, it's like, "Nah, bro, you you, you practice, practice like now, you play, right. and then you'll play like you practice." Right. Or there's so many times where it's like, "Oh, you know what? When when." Yeah, almost like even like a play, you know, like you, you, you do the rehearsal, you do the rehearsal, you do the dress rehearsal. Like, oh, no, when it's when it's game time, I always nail it. Like when it's time to do the big performance, we'll always nail it. Right. And I think we have a tendency for us to just as humans be lazy in a lot of different aspects. You know, right. when our boss ain't looking or when when push comes to shove, we'll do something. But so many times, you know, we think of, oh, when when the time comes, I'll stand for Jesus. Or it's like you know when the, when the need arises, I'll give my money to Jesus. When, right. when the when the time comes, I'll give my time and I'll serve for Jesus. Um, when the time's right, I'll get married, have kids, you know, foster, adopt, serve. All these different things. We we like to use these excuses. I'm like, oh, when the time's right, I'll do it. Right. And so many times we use that as an excuse to be lazy. When Jesus is like, no, 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 follow me right now. Right. Like it comes down to it of follow me right now well, because if you don't follow me right now. Who knows if, A, you really do follow Jesus or you'll be ready to follow when the time is right. You know, before we went live on this episode, we were kind of talking about, I, I want you to speak into it, kind of like that litmus test right. of, are you truly a follower of Jesus? And, you know, we were having that conversation and you brought up a really cool point of, you know, anything that we truly love, if Jesus came back and said, I want you to give that up right now, follow me, would you do it? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's so many times where we just live our lives, in, which is really easy to do not thinking of, is Jesus coming back? Because it's easy to forget. It's right. easy to just go on with our lives. And, you know, we have work. We have school. We got to get the kids. We got to pack some lunches. We got after school. <laughs> we got sports. We got friends. We got hanging out. You know, that, mo that new movie coming out. We got concerts right. to go to. Like, Notre Dame's stuff. playing. We gotta, we're playing Marshall, by the way. This upcoming <laughs> week. We better not lose. And um, only history. Will, time, will, time will tell. Um, but we have all these different things. And so many times we focus on what's right here right now. And right. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about me personally, oh, yeah. you know, of, of just looking at my life and going, am I living for Jesus right now? Where when he will come back, he will, he look at me and be like, bro, what you doing? Right. Like seriously, what the if, heck are you? If doing? Christ came back today, would I be okay with the way I'm living to present myself and be accountable for what I'm doing? And, and there's saying. something to be said, and I don't want to stray too far off of the 10 virgin conversation. Cause it's just being prepared. But I do think, you know, our, 
our lives were all given different things. You know, right. like some people are given one talent, some are given five, sure. some are given 10. And if you're only given one, that's not an excuse to do nothing with it and go right. bury it. But right. it's also not a something to be ashamed of where it's like, well, you know, man, like uh, I hear people all the time in like, uh, okay, here, here's an example in, in podcast space, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we love our podcasts. We love our show. We reach, you know, thousands of people every single week we have to be accountable for that for what right. we teach and what we do right but then there's other podcasts where they only reach like 50 people every episode or 20 people but, but they still that, have to be accountable exactly because are you what are you doing with what you've been given are right. you been slacking in what you've been given because some people might listen about man y'all rtc y'all big potatoes like y'all y'all got what's going on then we turn around and go no we're not like two dudes in the basement like two dudes in the basement we're just hanging out having a good time and y'all right. hang out with us too so we all have to give an account and be answerable for what we do but that doesn't change the preparedness of what like the 10 virgins where right. they were waiting and they weren't just waiting because we have to look at the the five unwise ones too right they were not unwise for waiting they were unwise to wait well, for a while and just yeah exactly right that's the point right is that they were prepared for a short time they were prepared they were they're like, they like yeah let's go you know but they didn't prepare for the marathon it's almost like the the the, the parable of the sower like you know there were like the seeds that grew really fast and then they were scorched by the heat there were right. some that the birds rocky, carried away rocky the rocky ground. soil where they grew but then they didn't last for a long time right and you know that the point of that parable is a little bit different a little right bit different right right context but it's also scary because i look at this and then i go okay what does this have to do with salvation? Because they were ready. They were prepared. They just didn't make it to the end. So did they have a commitment to follow Jesus? And then they were like, you know, they walked into that relationship. Like, yeah, I want to do this. And then they were like, man, I'm dipping out. Or were they just, you know, like, doing the fake it till you make it? Like, I'm, I'm part of it because I like the... The social experiment of Christianity. Like, yeah, like GodQuestions.org talks about that. Like they're right. part of the faith community. They're part right. of the local body. It's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm part of the church and the mission and the, and the, and the, the like, whoop, whoop, let's, like, let's go get it. Right. But they're really not. And I think that's where sometimes our, our meme, our theology can stump us to what are like what just seems to be in the reality like mm. it's not that we go oh are they saved or really not where it's like you know what's the matter is are you being one of the wise virgins right. are, you know? are you being christ-like are you doing what our mandate is right and that's the big are we being the good uh madam secretary <laughs> there you go bro i love me some madam yeah. secretary all right uh, Oh, I just had another like walk and talk over. Uh, you know how we just talking about Tower Heist the other day? Yeah. Oh no, be before we right. started recording, how yep. we both love that movie. Yep. I also watched that just because uh, Madam Secretary is in that movie. Right. Well, I, for, I always forget how to pronounce her name. Yeah, I don't remember. Either. I don't remember. Either. But but anyway, so so how can we prepare to not be caught off guard? All pursue right. Christ likeness now. So that's the first thing, right? No idea what Madam Secretary has to do with that. But no. Pursue it right no. now. Right. But sec so the second thing is ready yourself for suffering. This one I was I, I didn't I yeah. Let me let me yeah. follow it up. Right. Yeah. Follow it up so with this. I'll one. read what John Piper. John Piper's just like a little excerpt, and then I got some things I want to say. All right, let's do this. <laughs> so he said. Uh, so the implication is that one, we should get ready for the Lord's coming by being spiritually and mentally alert to satanic deception and false teaching, <clears throat> which we see. Right, we see false teaching has been happening since you know Christ was here. Yep. Two, we should be completely submitted to the Word of God rather than being lawless or self-willed. And three, we should be cultivating strong faith and sovereign goodness of God, so that we can endure to the end through whatever suffering comes our way. So I wanted to follow it up with John fifteen eighteen through twenty five. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you as this, uh, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what was written in the law. They hated me without reason. Mm. So the reason why I bring this in, sometimes it is very hard to be a Christian, right? Sometimes you just kind of want to be accepted by your peers in the world. Not necessarily be like, yeah, I just want to go out and get high and no, go just, rape and pillage and do all this stuff and be like the world, right? No, wow, but okay. it's it's the little stuff, right? <clears throat> no, it's the day-to-day day, yeah. day grand stuff. You're at mm-hmm. work and you just want to fit in, so you laugh at that dirty joke or you make a dirty joke yourself. Or, you know, and is, is that being a good representative of Christ? No, but if we be a good representative of Christ, we're probably going to be ridiculed and laughed at, and, and that's a part of suffering, right? For a lot of people, that is a form of suffering, is that I want to be accepted, right? We all struggle. Well, I say we all. I struggle, and I'm sure there are others that struggle with me, of you want to be accepted and loved, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody likes rejection and hate. Nope. I can't, no, I cannot think of a single person that I've ever met in my life that goes, yep, I'm all good with rejection and hate. No, it hurts, right? We are made with emotions. And I think this is a good thing, right? Because God himself, I believe, hates, or not hates, but is sorrowful and mourns well, the rejection and hate Well, I mean, it says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Right, well, you know? but, you know, think about how many people over history have hated and rejected God and how he must feel, right? Mm. I'm sure it doesn't feel good to him because he made us, and I'm sure we have similar emotions to him. He's, he's just... I mean, we're made in God's image, right. so... So, to me, it's a form of suffering, right? And mm-hmm. We may suffer in other ways. We may suffer from, be, you know, some, some of our brothers and sisters being persecuted. That's a form of suffering. But for, like, me, this was a big thing that spoke to me about suffering in my life of, of standing apart from the world, right? Because we are to look different from the world. We're supposed to go against the current, as the chosen would say, Um we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to be the salt and the light. And and darkness is always going to try to overtake the light, but it never can. Uh, but it's a form of suffering. So Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, in, in that Facebook group that we have, RTC fam, uh, one, of my, my, one of my good friends, uh, he's actually, he's married to, like, he's, let's back it up. Um, Heather and Steve, one of the sweetest people you ever, like, just ooze with sweetness and kindness. And if you just sit and talk with Steve for, like, 15 minutes, the, the world was in his, at his fingertips. And then at like a 20-something-year-old, he had kidney failure, dialysis, mm. all the different things. And he had this thing that he, like the quote that he kind of thought of when he was sitting there getting dialysis as a 20-year-old. He said, if you can take your biggest hurdle in life and use it to help others overcome theirs, you have answered the question of why me? Right. And him, while in dialysis, asking, why me? Right. And you know, and it points back to that verse in Second Corinthians, where it's like I've gone all through all these things, and therefore I can I can come alongside you and help you as well. That doesn't take away the pain. That doesn't take no. away the suffering. But we have to know because of the curse of the fall, because of sin, because of just other people out there, we will deal with right. different types of hurts. But as a Christian, we also have to expect to be persecuted. Now, we shouldn't be one of those people where it's like you know, 
I'm going to go be a jerk in Jesus' name because people right. going to hate me anyway. Bible, Bible so, thumping everybody. Bible thumping, pews. Oh, what was it? Bible thumping, pew hopping, devil stumping. See, you you say hopping. I've always heard uh, Bible no. thumping, pew jumping. Pew jumping. My bad. My bad. My bad. Devil stomping. Devil stomping. Baptist. Hey, man. But with this, you know, you know, we're going to suffer just as humans. So I think it's helpful to, like you said, we know we're going to suffer from natural causes. We're going to suffer from our own decisions, but we're also going to suffer because, like we talked about with the devil, he's right. roaring around like a lion, seeing who can devour. He hates oh. God, so therefore you think he's going to hate his people. You're tying it back into last Tying week. it back in. I love it. I love so, it. But if we prepare knowing, and again, and that's why the Apostle Paul says, so therefore gird up your loins, like tie up your skirt, basically right. was what it really meant back then. But put on the armor of God and be ready to fight. Right. Like be ready to go because yep. that's just the world we're in. So yep. so to help re- keep ourselves alert for Jesus, we got to pursue, pursue Jesus and Christ-likeness now. Be ready for suffering. And then the final thing is work faithfully for Christ. And Piper says, be ready for the second coming is the impulse to be found faithful and diligent in our particular calling. Over and over and over in the New Testament, we are told to be watchful, to be awake, to be ready. What does this mean? I think the parable of the ten virgins is a good illustration of what it means. To watch means to do your job really well for Christ's sake. They had an assignment. Have your lamps. Have oil. Respond to the announcement when it's given. Light the way of the bridegroom in. And they did their job just the way they should. And they entered in. They were morally, spiritually, and you might say professionally awake. Hmm. They did their job the way God meant for them to do it. And he goes on at the end of the article to say, so let your light be guided by one, the impulse that comes from the prospect of seeing the Lord, two, the impulse that comes from the necessity of suffering, and three, the impulse to be found faithful, vigilant, full of love to Christ in our particular callings. And then we will hear him send, Enter into the joy of your master. Mm. So wrap this up for us, though, man, because I don't want to <clears throat> so, keep going too long. So, yeah, my, my final thought, and I'll just leave it at this, is how can we be prepared? And part of that is just know, know Jesus and don't just believe, right? So James 2.19 says, you believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Matthew 7.21 through 23 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do miracles in your name? And then I will announce them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. And John 14, 6-7 says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you uh, do know him and have seen him. So here's the three things I want you to take out of those three things, right? Okay. One, if you just believe, well, that doesn't mean anything. Don't mean because, squat. because even the demons believe and they shut him. Everybody who claims to be a Christian, Lord, Lord, I've done all these things in your name, doing good works, does not mean that they are saved. It's they have to know him. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. And John 14 says, look, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. If you know me, you know the Father. So it's about knowing Jesus, not just about believing in him, but having that relationship. And and we see in James that he says, was it James or First Peter? I can't remember. I always get these screwed up. Uh, you show me your faith without works, but I'll show you my faith by my works, James. right? That's James. James, okay. So First Peter's living hope. There you go. So that's the thing, right, is that if we truly know Christ, 
it's going to drive a reaction from us. But only we know if we truly know Christ, because you can fake the reaction for a while. You can be the five unwise virgins and be like, yeah, I'm prepared and kind of slack off and not do everything that we're supposed to do. And then be left out of the processional party because we have to be off doing and other things. I think things. cultural Christianity kind of hinders that a little bit too, you know, mm. where the fact of we all just go like, like, you know, we, we live in South Bend, the greatest Catholic area all in Northwest Indiana. And you sure. all the time it's like, you know, you're a Christian. Yeah, I was baptized. Like I'm part of the church, but right. they, they have nothing about their faith. And then you talk to a lot of Protestants as well. It's like, do you know Jesus? Like, yeah, you know, I, sh- I show up at church. I, I throw a little offering in the plate. You know, it's just kind of what we do. It's a cultural right. thing. Right. Um, but I think this patch is what we're hearing about is the fact of it can't just be a cultural thing. We can't just hope to be part of the group, but we have to be awake, alert, prepared, ready to go for the, and understand and go for the moment, grind. At any moment, right? You know, there's also that verse, uh, I'm trying to remember what the passage was, but it's the fact of the wise builder knows the plans before he builds it. Mm. You know, he knows he can finish the project before he starts. Mm-hmm. And I think for us as Christians, we need to understand that too. The right. fact of grace was costly for Jesus, but it's free for us, mm. freely, freely mm-hmm. given, but cost him everything. Right. But that doesn't mean we don't have to do anything either. You know, it's not the fact that we earn our salvation. No, it's not the fact that we have to, you know, fake it till we make it. It's the right. fact of Jesus says, fall on me, you broken sinners, and I'll pick you up and give you rest. Right. And if we lean into that and we understand it and we're prepared for it and we're looking you know, literally, literally the joke, you know, when the bridegroom cometh, may your robes be white. Are you right. washing the blood of the lamb? Right. Or you think of in Christ alone and, you know, get to like gaze on his face. And I think this is where the beauty of, of being a part of the local church comes in. Because if we have songs that intentionally point us to Jesus for remembrance, if we, it's, you know, fellowship with other believers, whether it's small group connectors, Sunday school, podcasts, whatever. Um, and then suddenly the teaching of God's word that helps us keep our minds and eyes and ears focused on, mm-hmm. on the fact that Jesus is coming back. But at the same time, you know, we got to go out and do the work. You know, we got to go right. out and do the kingdom and not, not, you know, devil stomping, Bible thumping, door knocking. Like Maybe that's your ministry. That's cool. Go for it. But right. what are we called to do? You know, I think there's something to be said about the vocation of a, of a vocation of ministry. The mm-hmm. fact of we're all called to do certain things in different contexts. Right. What are we doing in our context to, to do that? And, and then, like what it said, light the way right. for other people. Right. And so with this passage, there, there still are some struggles that I'm like, man, but the five that were left out in the cold, like they were ready. They were prepared. They actually had their lamps. They actually had their oil. They just weren't for ready for as long as it was going to take. Mm-hmm. And But I think that's a warning that we need to heed Well, I think that's well. why Paul said we need to run our race well. And right? I think the other thing, too, that we have to remember is it's, it's our race. Right. We don't need to compare it to Billy Graham. Right. We don't need to compare it to John Piper, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, nope. uh, Christian Fuller. Ooh, we need to run our race Timothy that is set Mark before Hyde. us. It's a hard race, guys. Um, you have to run your race that's set before you. And some people, like my father, who was taken home to glory early. There's other people, like my grandfather, whose homeboy's still kicking. Right. Like, you know, and, and, and both of them love Jesus and, and followed after Jesus. Every one of us just has a different race, and we're all called to run it and run it well. Right. But that doesn't give us the excuse to not be alert. Right, exactly. Any like other thoughts before we end this thing, my friend? No, I think you ended it perfectly. Cool. Let's do some fun thought. F- fun thoughts. How about fun facts? Time for fun facts with <laughs> You saw final thoughts. Yeah, and you yeah, said I did. Fun, fun thoughts. Yeah, I did. Fun Let's just be honest though. With Mark Hyde. We've done this a hundred and. 
This is episode 168. We've done over 170 episodes. Right. Bro, it's still an awkward transition sometimes. It's it just, a fun it, fact. Yeah, right. So let's just rip the bandit off. My dude. All right. You have only repeated a fun fact one time on this show on accident. Once. once. You going to keep the streak going it's, of it's hard keep to pulling keep, them out? It's hard to keep track of which ones I've used at this point. I feel like you need to start theming. I'm like, hey, here's the Star Wars for this month. Fun Ooh. facts. Here's the fun facts of the month about animals. Here's the ones about well, humans. Here's the fun fact about Antarctica. Antarctica. Did you know spending just a few months in Antarctica can shrink your brain? Yeah. So if you've ever taken a trip to Antarctica, be sure to do so as much socializing as you possibly can and come up with a stimulating way to keep yourself busy. Research published in the New England Journal of Medicine in December 2019 explained the brain imaging in eight popular, I'm sorry, in eight polar expeditioners before and after 14 months of isolation showed that the volume of hippocampal Dentate gyrus was yeah. Don't that ask was me a, what that holy cow. That was, was a word. Was lower than that in controls. IFL science notes that researchers believe the changes in the brain they observed are a result of environmental monotony and prolonged isolation. So your brain actually shrinks when you're in isolation. Is there something to be said then about like older people in retirement homes about it's better to be in community and like do Sudoku puzzles and brain sharpen and whatnot? Because if you just sit, it's gonna turn to mush. Like I'm, I'm honestly asking Maybe, the question. Yeah. I don't know if that's part of that, that could, whole could research. Very I don't know. well, be that's my kind good of a man. sad fact. Oh, who's the picture of that kid on that, your tablet? That is a friend's baby. Oh, it's actually like, a friend of Janiel's baby. I was about to say, like, that's another folder baby. No, no more folder babies. No, nah. There's another hide baby coming, There's and it's a boy. Ba- it's a, it's uh, Bob had a baby. Eats Elliot, a boy. um, Elliot wants to name it uh, Bracky Junior. Brachius is stuffed animal Brachiosaurus that he sleeps with so, every night called Brachius. He was know, called Brachy Jr. Like, I, that's not I may happen, be buddy. partial, but <laughs> the best name ever would be like Fuller Hyde. Fuller Hyde. Fuller Hyde. But bro, we already got Fuller Hyde. How about we need to attribute uh, to like grass fairies and like ooh. and grizzly bears, you know? What if we called him Weird Al Hyde? I mean, if he has hair like mine, there's a good chance if he lets her grow long. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out where Shiloh gets his curly hair from, man. From you, bro. Osmosis. I'm very confi- Osmosis. You, you touched Janine one time and it transferred over. I gave her a hug. And then, you gave her a high five and it was like, <laughs> there goes the, the curly hair. <laughs> Either way, guys, we know that you guys think that we're absolutely nuts and dumb and all these kind of fun things. Because we are. But we are hot garbage to a raccoon to some of y'all. So we are so thankful for the RTC community and you guys joining us week in and week out. Connect with us over on Instagram or Facebook. Interact with the posts. Message us. Comment on them, share the stuff, be part of the Facebook group, the online community over there. And we would love to just help, not just see the community grow just for our own sake, but so that way we can keep encouraging other people along the way. Definitely. And don't forget to head over to YouTube and hit that subscribe button and the bell notification. Got you. So that uh, whenever we do little special stuff like giveaways and maybe Christmas stuff, other things like that. You guys could be notified. Maybe we'll do a YouTube only special Christmas giveaway. That's up to you, boss. That's completely up to you. You know me. I like giveaways. hundred percent. So, and also if you're listening to Apple iTunes, please leave a rating review. It helps more people find the podcast, Spotify, anywhere else, leave a rating over there. And if you can't do any of those, just share this episode with somebody you know needs it. Hit us up at realtalkchristianpodcast.com to find any episode or question you have. Play it full. That's all I got, my friend. So should we send him away? Let's send him away. Until next time. Take it easy.